Did you know that if you're an independent home improvement retailer, you are already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association? The NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways. From Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become a better, more profitable business owner. To learn about what NRHA is doing for you, visit nrha.org. Welcome to a new episode of Hardware Retailing's podcast, Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. Today, we're talking to Cody Gepner, a manager of Blyle Co-op Retail, a farmer's co-op with four retail locations serving the Yakima Valley in Washington State. Cody, thank you so much for coming back to the show for your second episode. You're the first person that I've ever had on that's that's a repeat. So, a repeat. So we're excited to have you here. Thank you, um, thank you. You were featured, you were actually the first episode last year of this podcast ever. Um, so I want to thank you for being our guinea pig. Yeah, it was and fun. I, I feel like we had some pretty good responses to it. So um, things have changed a little bit since since we recorded it last year in 2019. Um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's been going on since we last spoke to you. Yeah. And if anyone's listening to this and hasn't listened to Cody's episode, scroll down through your through your downloads and listen to the first one first. This is part two. This is part two. <laughs> and actually, so I'm back in town visiting Indy for the RMCP third visit again, uh, mentoring a couple of, of managers at Blyle as well again. And so it was just, uh, I was reflecting on my way here, thinking about where we were last year when we were recording and how Blyle was doing some cool things. The industry was doing some cool things. Um, and really, we just had an easy, fun conversation about that. But when we'd reconnected this time, I was like, it's crazy to think how much has evolved over just one year. Um, and that's where it kind of sparked the idea of, well, let's sit down and do it again. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun. I mean, I listened back at that podcast recently just going, okay, what what did we go over? And some of it's embarrassing, you yeah. know, to think of. I mean, it it's not embarrassing. It really, it was fun to listen to that journey um, yeah. that I love to share with people because the NRHA is so near and dear to my heart. You know, at times when I didn't feel like I belonged, because even though I had a rich family history um, with our family business, it was new to me. I had just come back from um, a stint where I wasn't involved in the family business, and I came back to the industry, and there were arms wide open, just ready to really go the next step. And um, I'm grateful for the NRHA because I feel like they had a lot to do with that. Yeah. So we won't go too in depth in it, but can you share a little bit about your experience with retail management certification program? Also, we call it RMCP for short, but um, it's a program that NRHA's host or has offered for many years now. I think since 2013. But maybe if you wouldn't mind just sharing your experience, like a brief little snippet of like your experience as a student, and then now on the other side, what it's like to. This is now your your third set of or your your second set of students, but you've had you've put three through the program since you've been with Blyle, correct? Yeah, yeah, and it's actually a really cool dynamic. Um, going through the class is like nothing else. Growing up, I had gone through leadership training, um, even in post secondary school training. Um, it's just it's unlike anything there, and I think it's because you have 
a room full of independent hardware retailers all coming together. They may be there for different purposes, but the true purpose is the same. They want to see the independent um, hardware retail industry grow and not just survive, but thrive. Mm -hmm. And to have 20 different minds in the same room with 20 different stores or, or chains of stores and different problems, but being able to collaborate, it, there's, it's nothing, there's nothing like it. And like I said, when I went into that class, I felt totally out of place. Like I should not be here. There are people um, that have more experience than I do. And I just felt like, okay, I'm in the wrong place. Um, but going through that journey of six months, the three visits and, and the in-betweens of just really developing your yourself and developing your uh, company in some new ways was enlightening. It was eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm confident in saying that because I've made lifelong friendships out of that class and I get to see them developing as well. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, one of them I'm super close with, which we talked about Russ in the last podcast and our friendship that just continues to grow now that we're only a couple hours away from each other instead of multiple states away from each yeah. other. Um, but even, you know, so we have, um, chats and stuff that have just continued on since then. And it's interesting because there are very strong individuals that came out of that class and the conversations we're having now are even more enriched and even more in depth than they were in that class. So it's yeah. a continual learning opportunity. What year was it that you went through again? So I went through in spring of 2017. Okay. Um, and really it was that whole year, 2017, 2018 was a huge turning point in my career. Yeah. We'd closed the family business. It really was this question of what's next. Um, and then out of a networking connection I made through the NRHA, I was recruited to join Blau Co-op out in Washington State, yeah. which was quite the leap. You know, we all we talked about flying the coop and yeah. joining the co-op. <laughs> yeah. um, but it really, it, that, none of that would have been possible without those connections. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, you know, we're three years later mm -hmm. um, as we're looking back at that and the industry's not the same that it was three years ago. Isn't that crazy? It, it's progressing so quickly and, yeah. and retail's progressing so quickly. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of industries that are getting left in the dust and don't know how to evolve. And so it's really cool over these last three years to be a part of an industry just across the entire industry. Yeah willing to evolve and willing to do what it takes to continue moving forward. Yeah. Um, you just don't, you don't see that Yeah. all the time. So what was the, how did Blyle come to the point of like before, before they had sent people and that's how you got to know them. And I know we kind of went over this. So I don't want to go too in depth with it, but like when you came into the store, was it having you on board as someone who had recently gone through it? Was it you kind of pushing them to, you know, look into opportunities to get other people like in the leadership program or what was kind of the process once you joined their team? Because um, now the last time we saw you, Katie, one of your colleagues had gone through and now this visit or this this class has two students from Blyle who are in it. So um, is this, do they, have they had a lot of other students before that or like just tell us a little bit about that I guess so Blyle Co-op's being led by an extremely dynamic CEO right now Dan Marano um, and he is a visionary when it comes to business and mm -hmm. when it comes to farmers co-ops there it's not a popular business model anymore yeah um, but instead of just letting it not work 
he has created this vision of it is the way of the future. And we've really, over the last four years, I've only been involved for about a year and a half to two years, um, but over the last four years, they've put an entire strategic plan together to move it forward. Yeah. And, and that includes retail. You know, we've got at Blau Co-op, we have multiple different departments um, underneath the Blau Co-op name. It's retail, which mm-hmm. I'm heavily involved in. But we also have agronomy, energy, orchard and vineyard supply. And so we really service the entire needs of the farmer. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times what we see was farming's in a difficult place in america right now um and there are ebbs and flows with the way that crops are 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 succeeding or not succeeding yeah and so because of dan um and his executive team's vision they've really been able to diversify what we are able to serve how we're able to serve Mm -hmm. our customers the farmers yeah and so we see retail as being the face of that um, and the, it's the first step into the door for our customer, for that farmer member, or maybe somebody that's never heard of Blau Co-op or they see it and they don't know how to pronounce it, but they come in and they see, oh, wow, this is a place that has exactly what I need. Yeah. And so that's when you go through that big of a change, um, you need people, you know, catalysts for change. You need people that are bought into the culture, they're bought into the idea and are willing to do what it takes. And Dan initially had sent um, Russ mm-hmm. through the class first. He was the first um, partner with the NRHA with Blau Co-op. And Russ and I took the same class. Yeah. And so he was the first one, but that's because Dan, he saw the needs within retail. He has a long history of retail uh, management. And so he understands it at a level that a lot of people don't. Um, but he knew that he needed to partner with someone like the NRHA to get intense training. Mm -hmm. And I was just fortunate that the timing and everything was exactly when it was because it was, you know, Dan and I love to laugh about the story, but he was sitting in the third visit uh, watching me give my presentation, which happens on the third visit of the RMCP. And he leans over to the woman next to him saying, I need to recruit a guy like that for my store. And it just happened to be my mom. And she was like, no, you can't take him. Um, and so it's, we laugh back and All forth about fun, that. It, of yeah. course, you know, he was just like, I need that dynamic. Yeah. Um, and so over a year later, I was end up ended up joining his team um, and his program. It's something we're married to. I mean, we can't imagine being able to develop retail at the rate that we are without people having the understanding of what they learn in the RMCP. So what do you think, and this is something that I don't know if we talk about it enough, but would you say that the return on investment from the program is something that obviously you guys believe in and have seen even in your business, in the business so far? Yeah. So a big part of the class is the business improvement project and something that uh, the leaders of the RMCP really push, um, is the the ROI, the return on investment. And it's interesting. So this time mentoring two individuals, they're doing two completely different projects by choice and they have two completely different ROIs. Mm -hmm. And one is impressive and is going to help the the face of retail really, you know, be even more than it is already. And the other one, when you just look at the basic numbers, you know, he looked at me and was like, that's not impressive. I can't use that. And I was like, wait a second. You, we're forgetting the whole other side of this. Yeah. That ROI on the project, 
yes, it's going to bring value to the company long term. That's sometimes hard to really hash out and understand yeah. and predict the future, you know, project those numbers. Yeah. It's not always fancy on the paper, but we got into this huge conversation about where you're at now at the end of that class compared to where you started yeah. and everything that you're taking away, that's where the ROI is. Because a year and a half ago when I joined Blau Co-op, the conversations we were having in retail management meetings are not the same conversations we're having now. Yeah. And we're able to move forward with so many ideas and so many different processes and procedures in ways that we weren't able to do before yeah. because those people, these managers are coming back with new knowledge. It's kind of elevating someone and bringing them up to a standard where everyone's kind of on the same page. Yeah. And would you say that the people that have gotten the opportunity to go through it have been, you know, excited about the opportunity or have said like to you, oh, I've gotten a lot out of it. I mean, what's kind of been the response from the students? They have really loved every single visit you know they come back from visit one and they're like that's amazing we've been through classes similar to it before but there's nothing like that and mm -hmm. it's fun for me i've been through it to be able to go okay wait till the second visit yeah. or wait till the third visit it just it keeps getting better and better and better and as you're going through it it's hard i mean it, there's a lot that goes yeah. on um it's quite the commitment but the return that you get i mean the self-value that i found it was yeah. in one visit that i realized this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And yeah. the trajectory of what that turned into was unfathomable for myself. Yeah. I mean, I could have never imagined that. Um, but that's because of what was fed into me by Will Davis and Scott mm -hmm. and Dr. Rob within yeah. those classes. One of the things I thought was really interesting, we were talking yesterday and you said, you know, going through NRHA's program was great, but, but you had mentioned that you felt like you learned almost like your purpose from one of the one of the lessons that Will Davis was it Will Yeah, it was Will. Could you just share a little bit about that and like even just on a personal note like is that something that you think other people hopefully are are able to get out of that that lesson as well maybe You know, I think so. That to me in my experience with the NRHA was the most crucial part of and that's in the last visit that he does it you know he I think they've restructured a little bit mm -hmm. to where they do it in the last visit now but for us it was the first visit yeah they really focused on the first visit of it's about you as an individual and if you don't know who you are you don't know your purpose there's not much you can do to bring it to the company and, yeah. the com and be a part of the company's purpose so they really focused on that and he just helped dial it in to mm -hmm who is Cody, you know, for me, or who is Renee? Um, and, and you just work through this and it's not easy. Um, yeah. It's actually, I think it was a turning point for a lot of people because some people realized, oh, this isn't for me. This, yeah. my purpose, this doesn't line up with my purpose. For me, it was completely different. As I mentioned, I was in that place where I didn't feel like I belonged. I had been in the theater industry. I had grown up in the family business, but I had sworn it off. Mm -hmm. And here I'm back. I was happy to. I was excited to be with the family again in business. But it just, I didn't feel like I was qualified to be there. And in one lesson, Will was able to walk through all this. And I realized my purpose goes so much further than any one career mm -hmm. or any one job that I hold in that moment. And, yeah. and he brought that out of me. Um, you know, I truly believe it was there and that's where some of that tension was coming from. Yeah. But through the, the process of what he was doing, it was a life changing moment for me because I mean, to this day, I can remember the purpose that I was scribbling down on that piece of paper yeah. to where I want to create, stand and inspire others, um, and for excellence for generations to come. 
that's something that I, in everything I do, if it's not to create excellence, if it's not to inspire others or stand for excellence within the business or my own life, mm-hmm. um, and if I don't have that idea of legacy or that idea of the generations to come, I, I don't put a lot of value behind her. I don't put a lot of energy yeah. behind it. But it's interesting how often I can take that purpose and apply it to anything I do. Yeah. Um, and it helps. It helps every day because this isn't easy. You know, what the retailers are doing out there, going to shows or doing, you know, different networking and making connections with them. I'm in awe of what families go through and family businesses, mm-hmm. co-ops like ourselves, um, or frontline employees. I mean, everything that it's just an intricate puzzle that what everybody's doing is it's tough and it's yeah but it's really cool and to know that they could go through a program like this really have this revelation of their purpose and apply mm-hmm. that to their everyday is really cool yeah so we we talked earlier too a little bit about um training in general so in my role as a retail outreach coordinator one of the things that i'm constantly doing is making people aware of you know as a as a paid member you are a training member and you are able to have all of your employees all train so through true value you guys are members but um kind of the goal is just to get everyone on on the same page get all of their employees on the same page and we do have several people that are very several stores and and businesses that are that are very adamant on doing that and making it part of their business model. What do you guys do as far as training? Because I have noticed, and and for me it's hard because I'm not a retailer, so I want to offer the advice, and we have a, a fabulous training manager, Jesse Carlton, who's created all this great content and builds on it and is always looking for new ways to keep people excited and engaged. But from a retailer's perspective, what do you think – the importance of of training from a store level is like product knowledge and that type of thing so training is another tough one to really gauge what's your roi on it you're investing in people Mm -hmm. and that person could walk away from your store tomorrow with everything they just learned and it was all for naught. but the way that the nrha has online videos and training programs it's so easily accessible to where we use it as an onboarding program. When we have somebody, whether they're part-time, full-time, a manager, um, moving up into new management roles, um, or wanting to just diversify our team, we put them in front of a lot of the NRHA videos. Mm -hmm. Because even the RMCP, the uh, Foundations of Leadership Conference, you get some really intense, you're in the fire training at those courses. But I'm such an advocate for continual learning. Yeah. I, even when you get to the level of manager or beyond and you're going, okay, I've got a lot of training under my belt. I believe that continual learning takes you and your team even beyond. Yeah. Um, for some people, that could be as simple as reading books from, from leaders within the industry. Yeah. And taking away what they're really crafting and what they've done and been successful at. And being able to put it more on a local level. Yeah. Um, and But the NRHA, they have so many different platforms to be able to plug in, be involved. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't even realize they already have the benefit. Yeah. Or if they don't, it's really, really affordable to get it in there or yes. be a part of the NRHA. And you just have a treasure trove of training. And training... It, 
you know, it's hard to put that ROI, but I've not heard one person that has trained their person and they've regretted it. Yeah. It, there's so many benefits that come from that. Yeah. Um, especially as we're going into this new era of retail. I mean, hardware used to be a person comes in, talks to the person at the counter, and they run back and get the product for them. Yeah. Or they completely do that. Now we have them shopping our entire stores. Mm-hmm. And we're focused on increasing basket sizes and everything that goes with earning more money out of that customer's pocket. Um, and so it, it that training really helps them. I mean, we do training in different ways. We have the onboarding. We do biweekly meetings where we... We really do some different training opportunities, whether it's team building, um, selling techniques. Uh, We introduce a new guest approach for um, customer service or selling, and we want to truly have them understand that. That's what we really use. But a lot of that knowledge comes out of these classes and the individuals that have either gone through our MCP or taking those NRHA courses online are able to come in a room, collaborate, and then really build these programs yeah. out of it. I think, too, one of the things that's um, maybe not recognized or not thought about first off when someone is like, uh, we don't have time for training. You know, Time is a big thing that I hear is like an, is an opposition to it. But one of the things I, I try and say is if you can build it into a schedule, and like you said, if it's part of the 90-day sign-on for a new employee, like they don't know any different. Um, but I also think showing your employees that you care enough to give them the tools to be able to do their job well that's another confidence it's a confidence builder for them when they've gone through and taken you know hardware retailing's basic training in hand tools and they know all the different hand tools and they can point you to this hand tool or that hand tool and they don't have to go uh where's cody cody can you help this guy i don't know yeah then you you get cody that's just exhausted because he's helped every customer Mm -hmm. that came through the door yeah well and even within that you know blyle co-op retail stores we're not a typical hardware store yeah we are farm and ranch we have hardware so we've got feed animal health but our primary uh department our core sales are driven by wholesale products yeah um to focus on the orchard and vineyards farm supplies and that's a little outside of what the NRHA mm-hmm. trains, but it's amazing how people can go through that training that is offered and translate that into their everyday. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is when you have one all-star on your team, that person's going to do nothing but run around and chase out. their tail all day. Yeah. And it's not going to last forever. Or what happens when that person retires or moves on to their next thing and they're not there anymore. And that's, you had all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, we've, I see that on my own team where people that have a lot of experience um, are relied on by that customer. And we always ask, okay, how do we get the customer to rely on every single associate? Yeah. And it's interesting because whenever you start training your team and they know they can help that customer, they when the customer comes in and asks for somebody else and, and they're like, oh no, I can help you. And the customer like, nope, I just want to talk to that person. The other team's like, well, wait, I do, I can help you. And yeah. they want to show and prove themselves. Yeah. So it puts a little bit of fire underneath the entire team. Mm-hmm. And we're focused on the team mentality within retail. Yeah. We want people working um, autonomously where they're working as individuals, but as a full team. Um, and, and training's really the only way that I know how to accomplish that all the way through. For sure. Um so when you when you were in your family's hardware store growing up, about how many employees would be like in the store at once? And like comparing that to Blyle, was training? Did you guys approach training from a different perspective when it was a smaller 
store footprint or a small a smaller amount of employees that's one of the things i hear too is like well we only have seven or eight employees and i still think that a store that doesn't have you know 50 employees it's not to say that those eight employees wouldn't benefit from training as well yeah within blio co-op we're still developing our training program yeah to get all four stores on the same page so that if we need to trade employees or any of that we could mm-hmm. um when I, and i'll say boldly um when we when i went to blio co-op the training program or the lack of training was probably the most significant thing i realized really? or recognized yeah was the desire was there. There had just never been the attention or the energy put behind it. And I came from in the family business where we did, we had two or three full-time employees and the rest were part-time to make maybe 10 of us. Yeah, They were put through intensive and extensive training programs. That's amazing. And, and we just believed in it yeah. because we didn't want them coming in and saying, hey, can I talk to Cody? And Cody's trying to, you know, I'm trying to move the company forward and do different things. Yeah. And then I have to be out and work with every single transaction. Yeah. I loved being out on the sales floor, merchandising, connecting with the customer. That's part of my favorite part of being in this industry. Yeah. But when you're trying to move the, you know, uh, the, the company forward and you're working on big strategy, that can slow you down. Um, and so many owners and, or managers they take a sense of pride in that and they should they were the face of their company forever but we really flipped that in our family business and said wait a second they are part of our family the people that work Mm -hmm. for us they are a molar they are one of us um and they deserve to be trained at the same level of the knowledge that we have and i think it was exciting for me to be able to see that need at blyle and take that same mentality um has been cool because we've been able to really, really get people latched onto this idea of training. And so I just um, interviewed and brought on a internal hire from another store to be my assistant Mm -hmm. manager. And the first question she asked me before she accepted the position is, am I gonna have training for this role? Mm. And I was like, wow, you know, a year ago, they wouldn't have even asked that. They would have just said, give me the reins, I'll make it happen, let's move forward. But we're wanting dynamic change within Blyo Co-op and we're getting it. We're seeing those results. Um, and I think that's because now not, it's not just management or the executive team going, this is what we want and this is what we want to see. I do a internal promotion like that. And that's their first desire is give me the resources, give me the training and I will succeed at this. There's that. It just, it created a drive that now as we're looking into 2020, uh, we're going to be unstoppable, which is really exciting. For sure. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you guys uh, recently launched a new marketing program. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And I know that's a transition away from, from training, but I'm just curious if, if you could share a little bit about the marketing program. Yeah, here. so we've got a really awesome marketing team. Um, it's led up by our director of marketing, Sarah, um, who you actually met at the uh, National Hardware yeah, Show. Yeah, I did. I she had sat so. on the Retailer's Choice panel mm-hmm. with me um, and some other retailers. But she's got a really unique role because it's not just marketing for retail, it's marketing for the other departments and the co-op as a whole. And so we have rebranded within the last four years. Mm -hmm. Um, They were known as Blyle Farm Service and they did a completely, uh, a complete renovation of Blyle Co-op and and rebranded it as a co-op and really focusing on that 
we're member owned and our yeah. farmers own us and we want to take pride in that and we want to let our customers know that um so she's really been a huge part of rolling that out and as i said earlier dan being such a visionary taking that vision and making it a reality um and when we came into retail they had done a lot of promoting uh, their retail stores in the past, but it was almost the archaic way of doing it. You have printouts, you're spending a ton on print only, and is there is there a result? Is there an ROI yeah, on that? Exactly. And, and what is it? And you know who is seeing it? You're sending it out in newspapers, and and we really took 2019 to analyze that as a retail team, including marketing, and saying what is the best way for us to move forward? Yeah. Not being a typical hardware store, how do we really hit our target demographic, which is different at every single one of our retail locations. So how do we keep that localized, but still have that arc over all of retail that is is the same? Yeah. Uh, the same vision, the same idea. And she's knocked it out of the park. We now went from last year where we didn't have any marketing to now we have digital presence. We have a, a, a two week sale that we run every single month mm -hmm. and her and her marketing team, they create original content, all bio branded featuring different like items throughout the store. Like yeah. That. So social media blown up. I That's mean, awesome. they've just taken it to the next level, um, making connections with farmers, getting that content out of there, sharing what we're doing, why we're doing it um, on social media getting out new prints, uh, you know, uh, sales for uh, flyers and stuff like that as well, but featuring the products that our customers need the most, just being strategic about that. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of models out in uh, the industry, but we had enough resources and she had enough attention and, and, and was able to do it to where she built some really cool things and now we're running with it. That's great. So there's not a month where the team's not going, okay, what's going on sale now? And we're able to feature these products in some new ways. Yeah. And even Roman, who's going through the class, um, he's be been able to partner with marketing and create an entire pricing strategy. Yeah. Because in, in retail, you know, when you're developing it, I love to break it down to the five Ps that we all know yeah. you have your people, your place, product, price, and promotion. Mm -hmm. And if you can break it down to that, and I like to categorize it and say, okay, let's focus on this. So let's focus on that. Now we're seeing that we get price and promotion are marrying each other. Mm -hmm. So he's focused on a pricing strategy, um, which we didn't always have selling wholesale in the same place as selling retail is tough yeah. because you've got two different pricing strategies happening under one roof, which means your pricing uh, conception can be skewed depending on what department a customer is shopping. Yeah. And so being more strategic about that and putting a program together behind that is something that Roman's really been focused on and in introducing new promotional programs um, and being able to really just give our customers what they need when they need it mm -hmm. at a price that they, they can afford. Yeah. Um, and ultimately what it's doing and what we're really going to see happen as these programs continue to roll out in 2020 is our customers aren't only going to think of Blyle first and they're going to shop with us for their seasonal needs, but we're going to be offering them bulk pricing because of our wholesale side where they're able to get what they need for the entire season. And that needs not going to be to, oh, I, I am yeah. in an emergency. I got to go pick this up. And in that emergency, you're not necessarily going, okay, I want to go to Blyle, but it's five miles further. Yeah. I don't need to go there. I'm going to stop at the competitor hardware store on the way. 
and then we lost that sale that added yeah. on to that original. So we're trying to capture all of that within one by giving them that dynamic pricing and really taking it to the next level. Yeah. So it's cool just to see how marketing and pricing, you know, pricing strategy have worked together yeah. and are just, I mean, they're running with it. So twenty, the end of 2019, we implemented Smoss and Black Friday sales, mm-hmm. um, holiday sales. We do a ton of events. And so within that marketing world, um, we have a new event coordinator that is focused cool. on each of our communities within retail yeah. and how they're the face of the company and making sure that we're making those deep connections the way that we need to. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing new involvement in each one of our communities in new ways, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or the fairs or the 4-H FFA programs. Yeah. Um, being able to support them with our B Champion FFA and 4-H program where they get fee discounts um, yeah. and really put you know, our money where the mouth is and really be able to support our farmers and our, gut cust- uh, our, our customers um, in some new ways. Yeah. So that's one of the projects that you guys are working on. What's the other project? Can you share a little bit about, um, so it's Victor and yeah, so that was Roman. Roman was, oh, okay. is focusing on the pricing strategy, yeah. putting bundles together, um, and doing some cool things like yeah. we just talked about. Then we have Victor who's coming in here and I, this program, I know Scott and then they probably love having more seasoned managers come through yeah. here. People have been in the industry. My favorite, because I had the experience of coming back and not necessarily being the most yeah. seasoned, but I still took so much from it is having managers that have n- know the industry that have some experience, but they may not be the most conventional choice to throw through an intense program yeah. like this and then be able to help them through. And that really is Roman and Victor. They've both, Roman's been with the company for five years, but he's just evolved from a retail specialist, a cashier to a manager within five years and had mm-hmm. several roles between there that really developed him into a thoughtful employee and somebody that is on fire for what we're doing. So the experience may not be there in management, but he's learned that in this yeah. class. And to the point where now we talk about pricing strategy and he's able to question me and go, well, why would we do it that yeah. way? And I think you're off there. And I'm like, oh, cool. This is awesome. You know, it's that collaborative yeah. effort. Victor's in a similar situation. He's been with the co-op for a couple of years, but he was re- managing um, a spinoff of one of our retail stores, and which is our, our irrigation department and successfully managing it, but kind of in his own little world because it's very specific towards um, needing to uh, supply the farmers um, for specific projects. It's not a whole idea of everything else they might need. And so he just got transitioned within this class to one of our retail stores um, and took it on and said, okay, what, what are we gonna do? We had to shift the project a little bit but one of the big initiatives that, you know, to learn his store and to really learn the style of management that he's learned throughout this class and to enhance it is a, a store reset. And so it's something we're doing throughout all of our retail stores with one common goal of we have energy, we have agronomy, we have the farm supplies wholesale part of our company. But if you came onto our sales floor, as beautiful as they are, they're not truly represented in a way that would show you, okay, wow, they're in that business. Yeah. And so this reset is to blow up the idea of what retail means for Blau Co-op and really reintroduce those other departments to our sales floor. 
So we're doing that by, we're being bold and we're taking gondolas down, saying we don't need 100 items in a four foot section. We need a pallet to replace that with yeah. one item that we're gonna blow out of. Mm -hmm. And so, so many hardware stores, farm stores, a lot of us focus on having everything for everybody. Yeah. And we've taken that idea and said, we tried it. it, it worked, but it didn't have the results we wanted. What we wanna do is we know our, our core customer and that's the farmer we want to be able to take care of them every single time they walk through the door yeah. and so we are looking at our a b and c class items and saying let's rock those let's buy them in bulk let's provide them in bulk and and, and pass that savings on to our customer um, and let them know that if they need one of those drx items that everybody needs every once in a while we'll have it to them within a day or two yeah so we're partnering with our vendors to make that possible saying, hey, this is the turnaround time that we need to be able to see to support this. We're gonna be able, in some of our stores, we're gonna be able to introduce 20 plus pallet placements to awesome. really focus on that bulk pricing and the bulk um, sales. If yeah. they need a pallet of our new Nitro Boost, which is our Blyle branded fertilizer, yeah. um, they can have it be and right out of our sales floor or right out of their warehouses that uh, support those sales floors. For sure. Um, I think there was one other thing we were talking about earlier you kind of mentioned was the customer service model, your guest approach. Do you yeah. want to share that with our listeners? Yeah, that's actually one of the, for me, who I'm definitely a people person, yeah. definitely love the training aspect in that um, customer service is one of the more exciting things that we were able to accomplish over the last year since we talked together. Um, and it's exciting because I sat through one of uh, the trainings in the third visit and they were really talking about something similar um but they just didn't put a program around it and yeah roman kind of looked back to me and goes i think that's what we're doing in the guest approach and i was like you're exactly right that is what we're doing so to see them training that and really talking about it and crafting these young minds or these minds of the managers and saying this is important and to see that we put it into action mm -hmm. was really exciting for me yeah. today um but you know they're typical in retail selling there are seven steps you approach the customer you ask them or probe them for questions and you go through this process uh, until you close the sale and confirm the sale check them out and say thanks for shopping we'll see you next time and it's been taught for years i mean that's mm -hmm. retail and ultimately we took that and said okay it's important that you know that and it's important to have that selling strategy but ultimately we want to weigh it a little bit differently yeah. and so we broke it down to what we call the guest approach and it's five simple steps that guest is an acronym um, it, that stands for greet uncover explain solve and then thank our customer oh, cool. and so we break it down into that and we've really trained and developed our employees to go through that process and instead of focusing on the explain and solve part where it's all about the product or it's all about um what we're selling we have them focusing on the greet and the uncover so yeah. get them connected with you make a connection not just greet them hey how are you today thanks for stopping in make a connection let them know that you appreciate that they're there and yeah. then uncover the customer's needs not by saying what are you in for today but saying what's going on on the farm or what you know what brought yeah. you in and let them go through that narrative get through that story and ultimately have empathy with them. We understand, and, and in the farmer world, it's very similar to the hardware industry. 
where most of the time when our customers come through the door, it's a need. Their their yeah. pipes burst or um, a cow got out and they have to do the wire on the fencing and stuff. That's new to me, but that's what we deal with yeah. every day. And so when those customers come in, it's not just, hey, I'm here to pick out my new curtains you yeah. know, that I'm going to hang up typically. Um, it's, okay, I have this need. It needs to be taken care of now. And can you help me through that? Yeah. If we're not empathetic through that process of this grumpy farmers coming in and demanding that we yeah. get this fence for them, we're going, okay, who does this guy think he is? And in yeah. reality, he's thinking my cows are out loose and I have to get <laughs> this, this wire now. I mean, isn't it? It's not even an analogy. This is reality. Oh we gosh. had a cow in the back of one of our uh, stores one time, like in our. Did you have to like call around to some of your customers? Like, did you lose a cow? Yeah, like we, we like one. posted on Facebook. If you dig in there, it's like this random cow. Um, I hope you named it. I did not, but I'm sure it was named at some point. Yeah. They. they <laughs> It was that was like the first couple months that I was there. I was like, where did I move to? Like, how do we just find a random cow behind our store? Um, but that's it. I mean, we want that to where then, yeah, somebody came and they said, oh, that was my cow. They got out. And it wasn't just, oh, well, take your cow back. It was, do we need to repair a fence? What do we need to make that connection yeah. and get to know you? And in that moment, they, they start trusting you in a new way where. Yeah. They may not be, we may not be able to take care of them right then, but they know, okay, they're going to do whatever it takes. We call our competitors all the time and say, do you have this product in stock? Yes. Okay. We're going to send a customer there. Yeah. Um, and here's his name. Please have that product ready. That customer's looking at us like we're crazy. Why would yeah. you send me to your competitor down the road? But in reality, we see it as that customer was taken care of. For and sure. that's what the guest approach is all about. It yeah. is making sure that when you approach that guest, it's not about the sale. It's not about the product on our shelves. It's about making that connection that is going to last beyond this one visit for that customer. Yeah. So when you think of retail, like places where you as a consumer shop, and it doesn't have to be hardware or farm, like what are some examples of stores that you think are doing something right and that you, that you would like to try and emulate? in Blyle or that you think it you think it makes sense what they're doing like I've been reading a lot of different stories about different companies like for example there's an article it might have come out by the New York Times but they talked about how you know specifically in the more mall industry where malls and and Macy's is closing and all these different department stores are closing a store like Bath and Body Works is still doing crazy for 20 consecutive quarters and yeah. they haven't had any decreases or you have like an Ulta where their makeup is doing well or like different it's almost like there's different niche brands that have figured something out yeah I honestly it, it kind of plays into why we're doing this reset in 2020 yeah um, the trend that I'm seeing and that I think we're going to continue seeing moving forward is retailers for a long time after Walmart came out mm -hmm. um, and started doing their thing Target doing the same thing as well um those business models are meant to be everything for everybody. Yeah. Period. And in the hardware industry, we had to answer that because we used to be everything for everybody where my grandparents tell stories of wrapping Christmas presents for 
kids, husbands, wives on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, and then when Walmart came out, they were like, okay, wait, we have to change and we have to be more specific to hardware. And then we saw it kind of go out again and, and we started uh, diversifying our retail floors where it wasn't just the plumbing needs or the electrical needs. Then we got into home decor. We got yeah. into paint a little bit more and, and supplied more of it. Um, but where I see retail going over the next five to 10 years is, I mean, and this is me, I mean, it's not, it's whatever, but I see it being more specific towards what the customer's needs are and being able to take care of them there in the moment. I, even where I shop, I mean, I used to shop at department stores all the time because you get customer service and you can get whatever you need when you need it. In reality though. I pr- changed my cust- or my shopping habits to more specialized stores. So yeah. when I need to buy a pair of shoes, I might go to the department store to see if they've got a sale or something going on. But more likely, I'm going to go to Aldo and get them there because yeah. it's a specialized experience. And they do shoes, and they do it really great. And they might have the variety of shoes that I need to be able to shop, but they're not everybody or everything to everybody. Yeah. They're shoes. Yeah. Um, and really... I, Online is the other side of that that yeah. we've talked about before, and the sound the, bite the, this, the, that just <laughs> that the introduction hasn't ruined to- my career yet, but I'm sure it will sooner or later. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's the the online presence that you know we all want to figure out and do. But I don't think it's online we're going to have to be scared about. It's just technology in general. Yeah, if stores aren't introducing technology on the forefront of what they do. They're going to be behind because, I mean, we're looking at different um, programs and stuff that are going to look at the trends of our customers and, oh, you're buying it this frequently and it's that season again. And they're going to get notifications saying, hey, come in and buy this. It's that time. Or, hey, you're running low on this. You need to come replenish where they're getting that reminder from us. If we weren't investing in that, those customers are going to start looking anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So instead of having bodies call and say, hey, just want to check on you and how's this going? with our outside sales team, having that technology that's really generating all of that yeah. beyond what we can imagine before. Well, even like I'll have a conversation with someone and they'll say, I need a specific kind of sock for my shoes. Literally, I'll go on my phone later that day and there's an advertisement <laughs> for those Facebook socks on Facebook. Anything, and I'm yeah. like, how do they know? <laughs> and it's there. They're listening. I mean, I've had some, over the holidays, we had some interesting conversations about AI, artificial intelligence, and what is that going to do over the next 10 years? And there are some awesome books out there that really, really get into the heart of Kevin's whole Kevin's smiling. (laughs) It's it's an exciting. I'm just getting into it, but AI, it it's slightly terrifying and extremely exciting to me. Yeah. Um, and it's really going to shift things. I mean, they they project that it's gonna have an lead into in the next 10 to 15 years could lead into 80% unemployment where, Uh. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And how do you even fathom that? Like we, that's not even a number we understand in America right now. Yeah. And so, and they're saying it could happen overnight where it's like, it's just so quick. I'm getting off track, but it really is that, I mean, that's not 50 years away. It's not a decade away that technology is evolving so quickly that that is something that if we're not thinking about it now yeah. and introducing that and taking those steps, we're never going to be able to catch up, um, or we're not going. We're going to have to be extremely strategic to do so. Yeah. Um, that's where I don't think it's necessarily the online. It's that being able to think for the customer 
mm-hmm. being able to get ahead of that thought process yeah. so we can still be a part of what they're doing. Yeah. In the hardware industry, farming, you know, a lot of that's protected by that because they're not going to buy wooden posts that we sell 500,000 of a yeah. year on Amazon. I mean, they might. They can probably buy houses on Amazon <laughs> by the, in 50 years, but... You know what I think is so interesting is back in the day, and I always say this to people, I'm like, Amazon reminds me of, like, what Sears used to be for people. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, you you buy a house and a catalog. Yeah. You would buy your Sears kit house. I'm actually in a Facebook group because (laughs) I tried to do an article on it back when I wrote. It didn't go anywhere. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Well, it is. I mean, I remember driving through my hometown, and uh, when I was working for our family business, we were doing remodels of houses, and using that design Mm -hmm. and stuff uh, with just a different aspect of our business. And I would drive around town and be like, oh, I want to remodel that house. Or I like that. And my grandpa was like, oh, that's Sears catalog house number 598. And I'm like, what do you mean a Sears catalog house? And he's like, you would look in a Sears catalog. You'd buy a dress for your wife and then you'd buy a house for the family. Like all in one thing. And I was like, it's it's just this giant cycle, you know, where it's just a different platform. Amazon is doing a very similar thing, but on um online you know in mm-hmm. with technology and yeah. so the thing i love the most about the hardware industry is that it's resilient we've seen um a lot of changes over the last decade yeah. and, and really um or the last century you know whatever and it's crazy to think that where we'll be in 10 yeah. to 15 years or i mean who knows but yeah well, I guess one of my last questions would be, is there anything fun you're listening to or reading or So last doing time we it? talked, I, I, when I was listening to the podcast, we talked about um, the book I was reading. And it, it was, was about... Um, it was about like wasted jobs. No, and, but you also had, I think you also talked about Mr. Rogers. Oh, my favorite. And then they just had a movie. Yes, it I was. I wanted to see it, but I heard it was really, my, my step-grandma left the theater because she thought it was depressing. Oh, that's sad. Hmm. His story, but I remember reading that, yeah, now that you mentioned that. And his story is really encouraging. I mean, he he reminds me of like the Ellen, on Ellen show. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, she ends her show by saying, be kind to each yeah. other. You know, be kind to everyone. He was that for mm-hmm. for a lot of the millennials and stuff growing up of, you're important. You you have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what we were talking about in this class, a lot of people finding that and being able to move forward. So yeah. that was really enlightening at the beginning of last year. And um, I try to read autobiographies or biographies like that just to truly understand. And I've read what I've just finished um, – Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, just came mm. out with a book called The Ride of a Lifetime. Oh, cool. And he talks about his journey of starting with ABC Company as yeah. a newscaster, um, a sports newscaster, to becoming the CEO of yeah. Disney. And, you know, we, in the, through the RMCP class, you have a lot of exposure to Disney because Dr. Rob um, loves, it. loves it. And him and it, uh, his colleague wrote, a book about it yeah you know and and entrepreneur the disney way and just it there's a lot that you know there are parallels to what the hardware industry does but reading bob Iger's book really in partnering with dr rob's book too of like okay reading them both you're like you just have an inside to um disney in some new ways you know disney's always been that magical place for me growing up it's just mm-hmm. a part of the movies and stuff um just a part of the culture uh 
of my generation and of my life, especially. But reading this book, you get that inside of it. It was never easy for them. Yeah. You know, and, and Walt, it wasn't easy for Walt Disney, but when he died, the company went through this whole culture shift of like, who are we? And yeah. how do we continue to move forward without this visionary? Um, and they did it, but it they did it not without struggle. I mean, there are some hard lessons that Bob Iger had to learn and that he vulnerably shares through mm-hmm. this book. Um to where I started that on the plane ride over here and I was done like wow. within a couple of days. I mean, it is just that good. Um, it, I don't know. It's just, it's riveting. Of what I just he put shares. it on hold the audiobook for my library. You absolutely have to. Everybody should on hold. buy it, get it on there. It might take a couple <laughs> weeks, but that's okay. It's worth it. It is really, and it's, you'll burn through it really quickly yeah. because he talks about coming in and how people didn't want him to be in that position because yeah. Disney was going through such a hard time of, really an identity crisis. Who are we and how can we do this? And then it talks about their acquisitions of ABC company and of Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars. It'd be interesting too to hear if there's any retailers in our field who've gone through like the Disney like management program. Because I've always heard that that's... It has to be For like corporate training and stuff too. Yeah. I've always been curious about that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have any questions for myself or... Or Kevin. Kevin, the man behind Kevin, the, the man scenes. Kevin, the man behind the scenes. He doesn't even have a mic right now, but we can make him roll over. He can roll on over. I just think it's so cool you guys are doing this. It really gives a voice to the independent retailer. Nice. It's been fun to listen to some of my friends throughout um, the last year of you guys doing it and just getting their perspective Yeah. Um, and seeing what they're doing. It's a great way to stay updated. And yeah. I guess my question would be, you know, what has been the common theme throughout all of it? I mean, you're seeing a ton mm-hmm. of different perspectives from different people all over. <laughs> and you're getting the opportunity to really sit in front and ask some yeah. cool questions. Well, I my personality is very much I like to grill people. I interview them. I learn their life story. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that kind of falls into the fact that I was in journalism for so many years. Um, so in this role, uh, my as the retail outreach coordinator this past year, I, I started last January. I've really enjoyed having this podcast as an outlet to continue getting to interview people and talk to people and picking people that I'm going, I would love to just sit down and talk to them and let's record it. And I'm not writing anything. We're just going to shoot it out into the ethers and see if anyone listens. Yeah. Um, and so for me, what's been rewarding is just hearing how different people in the industry are doing such cool things. Um, I think, and that's what I think is so special about this industry is that not one person has the same story and that's life in general, Yeah. but it's been cool to get to hear how other people have crafted their way through the industry, whether they were in a family business and they didn't want to continue with it. And then something drew them back or they were, you know, for example, Gina Schaefer was, was one of my last interviews that I did. And she owns, I think it's 11 hardware stores, Ace hardware stores out in uh, the DC Maryland area. And her story was unique in that she had been in, in the corporate world. She was in the tech world and she had a condo and her, her and her husband kept being like, we need to fix this. And it, it was annoying being in DC, not having a hardware store around the corner. So (laughs) She decided, I want to get out of this corporate tech world and let's just let's try our hand happen. at hardware. So I think what's been cool is just seeing the the common thread is that 
people all come and stay in this industry for a reason, but the way they've gotten there is so different. Yeah. And you can learn so much from every single person. Well, I think that's such an interesting takeaway because I remember when I came back in and we talked about how I didn't feel like I belonged. But for me, that was such a lonely place where I had my family and I had some friends that I grew up with going to shows and stuff like that. But I felt alone in that. Like, I don't belong here. This, what, what, I didn't take the right path to get where I'm at. Yeah. And in your podcast, I think that, it, I mean, listening and hearing you say that, you take away this idea of I'm not alone in this. You know, yeah. other people have taken even more unconventional ways to get where they're at and be successful. Yeah. So it, it's just this, if they could do it, I can do it. And yeah. if they have done it, I will do it. Yeah. And it's just this motivational idea. And I mean, you're at shows or you're at industry networking events mm -hmm. and you can't talk to everybody. You know, you want to sit down and say, hey, tell me more about this or tell yeah. me more about that you are getting that opportunity to do that and you get to almost ask those questions that yeah. I wish I had the opportunity to sit down with these dynamic retailers Be a fly on the wall. and learn more. Exactly. I mean, my friend Joe out of Brooklyn, him and I sit down at shows and we were doing um, some PR stuff and that's where we were like telling our story on camera and we're like telling our individual story but together and then we start looking at her like wait a second you had that going like you yeah. did that you're you're it's a family business too and wait a second your grandpa and we were just like on camera like blowing each other's yeah. minds that we were so alike but we're in completely different sides of the country mm -hmm. and it just immediately in that moment thinking you it, it bonded and, us and yeah. and I, he's one of my closest friends in the industry yeah. and I only get to see him once two three four times a year maybe yeah yeah. Um, if that, and so it is just so interesting to see when you start getting those little pieces yeah. and take it to the next level. Well, and I think too, um, you know, and I can be a talker and sometimes I'll have someone who's a talker too. So we can go on. I'm sure this is, I don't want to know what the time <laughs> stamp is right now. There's more on the cutting right room floor than everybody's listening exactly. to right now. I guarantee it. But I will say that I think, um, I think there's just a lot of really cool people in this industry. And what I also try and emphasize is I don't want it to be just the true value show or the ACE show or the Oracle show. And I try and emphasize to people, we're all independents. Yeah. I call myself an independent too, because we aren't affiliated to one single retail group. We're yeah, here for all of, of you guys. Story. Um, so just as much as NRHA is an independent, we're serving independents and we want everyone, you know, going back to kind of our, our, uh, is it our motto, you know, well, your, your mission statement, our mission statement. There Thank you. you. <laughs> I know what it is, but you know, making sure that all retailers are profitable regardless of wholesale affiliation. And that part to me is the key because in a world where everything is a us versus them, I mean, we're, I don't want to get into politics or religion or all that, but it's a very much pitting people against each other. And what I enjoy about this industry is when we can say, okay, I know you're ace and you're true value and you're orgle and you're do it best and your house has and you're blish mize. Let's leave those distinguishers at the door and you can still embrace that you are. Absolutely. But listen and have an open mind and, and really take the opportunity to get to know those other individuals in the room and not look at their what their logo says. And if somebody doesn't know the NRHA, that sounds like a lofty thing. I mean, I yeah. grew up in the true value world. If you would tell me that I would be sitting across from somebody within the Ace Corporation and having a dynamic conversation about the hardware industry, independent hardware industry, I would have been 
at 16, I said, there's no way I'm talking to somebody from ACE there, because there is just that natural yeah. tension between both of them. But the NRHA, there's nothing like it. The, the yeah. fact that you have, you personally, What do they call Renee, us? The UN? We're the UN, the UN of, of the hardware and hardware. I love it because that is it. I mean, everybody comes together and they realize we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, so Cody, thank you so much for being on the show today though. It was My it was great getting to talk to you. Maybe next year at the same time we'll do uh episode three Ooh, with Cody. Um something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. So keep working <laughs> on those goals and knock yeah, them out. We're and, knock it out of the park. Um but it's been great getting to chat with you and catch up and see how your journey is continuing to evolve. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. It's been fun. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.